on. This is Shark Pants Free Radio. Gamers, get your ears on because we're blowing the speakers out. Grimdark Live. It is time for Grimdark Live. This show is for the nerds, the outcasts, the weirdos. And for Shark Pants Gamers? No, not you. Ah, crap. Get ready, all you grimdark goons, for dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf. Only right here on Grimdark Live. Hey, welcome to Grimdark Live, weekly webcast for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. I'm your host, Patrick. And tonight, man, we're going to be talking Ideneth Deepkin. But uh, but before we get into all that, uh, before we get into anything about uh, all that fishy business we're going to be talking about, I uh, want to say thanks for joining us here tonight on Grimdark Live. And, and if you like your show, please don't forget to give our channel a like or subscribe if you haven't already done so. So, all right. All right, you dice chucking glue sniffing gamer goons. Here we go. Tonight, we, we've got an awesome guest with us, actually returning uh, back with us. Uh, tonight, uh, and he's uh, he's going to be talking Ideneth Deepkin. He's one of the fishiest sons of bitches that I know, Joseph Venable. Joseph, what do you hear? What do you say, bud? Hey, good to be back on. Uh, I know last time I was talking about Bone Reapers, but I am excited to be talking about my favorite faction today. Oh heck yeah, man! Heck yeah, a lot of a lot of fishy business happening uh, in in the world. But you know, here's the thing. First of all, I want to say this real quick. Thanks, thanks for being here with us. Thanks for being back with us, Joseph, because. Uh, we're going to be talking in uh, a lot about Ideneth Deepkin. I think there's a lot that we can really get into with this. I think the list that we're going to be looking at here later on in the show uh, that you've presented to us is a uh, is a pretty darn good one. And um, and and real realistically, when you when you look at this army, right, and in regards to the state of the game and where it's at now, you know, really since the Red Book on it came out back roughly about a month ago or so, right, March of uh, 2022. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said for this army. And I think that, um, uh, you've done some things, uh, to kind of crack the code a little bit with the army. I think that, uh, you're progressing very well with it. And, and, you know, what's interesting about it is, um, it, it plays into your, your play style of coming from a background of slanesh, kind of that, uh, that fast finesse type army. Is that fair enough to say? Uh, ab- absolutely. It's one of the reasons that I fell in love with the book four years ago when it came out. Um, it's, it's, it's. It's a little bit of a glass cannon sometimes, but it's got a huge toolkit, and if you learn how to use it, you have an answer for almost every situation. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, I like the way you put that because I, I think I think a lot of armies, and you know, you know, one one of the things I'll, I'll go back and say that I I forgot to mention at the top of the show is that it's an elf army, right? I mean, I'm the Deepkin. We're talking elves here, so for the most part, we know that elves are or can be unforgiving, right? But this army, uh, you know, when you say glass cannon, though. Yeah, okay, they're going to hit hard. Maybe they can't take a shot, but they're pretty forgiving on your mistakes as a player, right? You know, I, w- I would say forgiving as long as you know how to use the toolkit. There there are a lot more options in this new iteration of the book that gives you a way out if, as long as you know how to use it. It doesn't happen automatically, but if you make those conscious decisions, you have a way out. Yeah, okay. All right. I, I kind of like the way you put that because um, I, think that's, I think that's the case for a lot of armies, but I think for the most part, for the most part, um, I, I think it's one of those things that, uh, that 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 what you're really referring to, moreover, is the learning curve, right? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Most things in that army, they uh, they have either a four up save or a five up save, so a little fragile. But there are ways to give them ward saves. There are ways to make them fight first. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's re- it's really just mastering that learning curve and, sure. and taking advantage of the options you have because they they will help you. 
Okay. All right. All right. Well, I like the way you put that. And, and you know, folks, uh, as we go on and we talk about Idna Deepkin tonight and we kind of talk about, uh, you know, the, the benefits of what is in this list and, and kind of what's in the in the red book, as you will. Um, if you guys are out there watching and listening and if you guys have lists that you'd like to share either during our conversation tonight or even after the show, uh, please post them in the chat or in the uh, the comment sections below. And uh, we will uh, we will do our damnedest to address them. Uh, but, you know, this army, Idna Deepkin, was actually one of uh, your first army is Age of Sigmar, correct, Joseph? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I started with uh, Stormcast in the Soul Wars box when that came out. Oh, yeah. Uh, what was that, five, five years ago now? Yeah, about that, That's yeah. a long time. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, that was my first army was Stormcast. And, you know, I like the aesthetic of the wizard mages and stuff like that, but it, it wasn't quite what I was looking for, not quite my tempo. But uh, as soon as I found the Deepkin, I actually didn't love the model range when I saw it initially, but after getting into how it played, I think I kind of like learned to love the army a lot more. And, okay. And it, it really, it was the first army that really hit that finesse note for me before I really knew what that was. And then as I learned how to play the army, I think I just kind of fit naturally into what the play style encourages you to do. I think everybody kind of has a personality that gotcha. lends himself to one army or another. And that was, that was the one for me. That well, Slanesh. you know what? I, I really like the way you put that. I really like the way you put that because I think a lot of times, um, I think a lot of times people uh, uh, people people seem to forget about the the little innate things of the army, right? I, I think I think that's where a lot of people seem to seem to tune out of that. But you know, I've always found it interesting how gamers gravitate to a certain armies, not solely based on the aesthetics, but moreover the play style. You know, I'll give you an example. Like for myself, Beast of Chaos, it plays a lot like Destruction, so I, I find myself playing that because it, it kind of feels like skinny ogres to me at, at, at some time because because you've also experienced as i said in the beginning of the show playing slanesh and both armies are a finesse based army was that was that pretty much the case for yourself you know coming into idna deepkin again yeah yeah pretty much I, I mean i uh i i had taken a break from deepkin for a really long time after really beating my head against the wall trying to make a hybrid list that i built for 2.0 work right i felt like i'd right. kind of been there done that wanted to try a few different other flavors of sigmar so i got into bone reapers i got into slanesh i got into uh slaves to darkness trying a few different armies out and i always end up going back and comparing them to deepkin sure because it's what's most natural to me okay all right you know i, I like that i like that answer and you know so but tonight joseph speaking of which uh uh, we do have we do we do have a list one list that we're going to be uh, we're going to be discussing tonight and and really your tactical and and you know i would say build two thoughts on the army itself i mean you know, the, 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 the skill of this army, you know, in that, that whole learning curve, I would say, you kind of mentioned before, is, is, is fairly enormous. But, but coming from a Slanash background, was it easier for you to mold into this play style? Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, Vince on Warhammer Weekly made a, a good quip. Uh, Deepkin is like Slanash, but better. Uh, <laughs> and I, right. I, I very, very much agree with that, just because the, the, the toolkit... When I tried to slide into Slanesh and I really had to focus on summoning as kind of my core finesse mechanic, it, it almost feels like the other finesse mechanics of that army are, are like an afterthought, where after going into Deepkin, especially with this new book, I think that the book is better than it's ever been. Every tool that you have feels very responsive. When you use it, you know it. When you use it correctly, it, it accomplishes its task. And it, right. it does that in a way that I think is more effective than some books, especially sure. some of the second edition books. All right. I, I like the way you put that. Um, now, now I got to ask you this. You know, one last item before we get in, we get going here on tonight's show. Are you feeling okay? Everything all right with you? 
Oh, I, yeah, I, no, I'm doing good. I, you know, I just I just got hot off the heels of a probably the worst chest cold I've ever had in my life. And I was so just going to say, I, I heard about oh, the yeah. COVID outbreak at Adepticon, and I know you were kind of slumming around there for a couple of days, and I want to make sure that uh, you were all right. Oh, yeah, oh, I'm doing great. You know, <laughs> I, I found out about it uh, like last Thursday or something oh. like that, so I took an at-home test. Apparently what I had wasn't COVID. Right. It just sucked for five days. Right, right, okay. All right. Well, you know what? We're, we're glad you're all right. But uh, but let's keep rolling with the show, man. So here's here's the question. Here's the question. I'm almost hesitant after all the events recently on uh, on Twitter about uh, uh, what's going on with your hobby life. But are you staying true? Are you sniffing glue, man? How's it going? Oh, man. You know, usually I'm staying true. But uh, today I, I have to say I've been sniffing glue. I've been uh, hooked on Elden Ring for the last two days. Oh, yeah, so yeah. yeah you've been my way through that. Died about 500 times, you know. Yeah. You know what? I mean, that's that's I mean, but but you said that game was was pretty uh, was pretty intense as far as, you know, the, the this isn't a word, but playability. Right. I mean, so. You know, oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's intense, but it's it's one of those things that like I, I think even you can even tie it into this game a little bit. Uh if, if you're mature about how you approach challenge, you, you take every failure as an opportunity to learn. Sure. And, and, and that's, and that's where a lot of the reward of a game like that comes from is, is just being perseverant, learning from your mistakes instead of getting upset and then just kind of implementing the lessons. Sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I gotta be honest with you. Um, my, I, I guess I'm kind of sniffing glue. You know, I, I had started a, uh, a Magakin army. I'm, I'm working on that and it's coming along fairly well. Um, but you know, I just want to, I want to, I want to kind of pontificate here for a second. I want to take one second to kind of address the events, uh, that happened at, uh, uh, on Twitter. Now, again, you, you know, as well as I do, Twitter's a cesspool, but for the most part, uh, I think people took to a certain comment that was made by the, uh, by a particular person on TO about, about, uh, folks painting abilities at, uh, at Adepticon. And, you know, uh, if, if you want to know more about our opinion on that, you can go over to our grimdarklive.com and check out our blog. We kind of wrote something on it. I don't think the person that said it was really doing anything out of malicious intent. Uh, but, you know, it still shouldn't have been said. Um, and I know that sometimes that can fracture somebody's hobby mojo, you know, when, when you got somebody you feel is being negatively impactive or crit- overly critical to your work. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. And I think I said this, and I'm going to try to paraphrase my own words here. You know, I paint like a blind, one-armed drunk that just fell off a tilt-a-whirl and stumbled into the back of a back alley and found a, a brush in a garbage can, you know, in the back of a methadone clinic. You know, don't let anyone ever tell you you're not good enough. You know, and, um, and, uh, and, and you know, you paint for yourself, paint for the people that care about you, and, and enjoy this hobby for what it is for you and, and your close friends and everyone else. They can kiss your ass, whatever. All right, so enough of that. And that, that's, my, uh, that's my hobby talk. I didn't mean to get all political and, and, and goofy on you, but... Let's get into the news. That's safer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, much safer. <laughs> All right. So we got uh, we get we do have some stuff in the news tonight to, to kind of get into, and uh, we finally got a rumor engine, Joseph. You know, have you uh, did you did you did you realize that we got we got a rumor engine? So I'm not sure no, if this thing it. it's a it's a cute little baby. I'm not sure if this thing is a Gene Stiller cult or 40k. I, it, it looks like something 40k for you know personally, but. It could be a little Cragnose baby or a little Cruel Boy or something like that. And there, there's actually another rumor engine that was released, I don't know, a few weeks back uh, that uh, that was posted um, that possibly these little critters are, are, are if, you, if you look at a dragon over Shagoth, my Beastie Boys, these little critters are kind of all in its hair. And, and these kinds of creatures are all matted in there. So uh, high hopes uh, that, that, that we could be getting something new for, for Beasts of Chaos. But uh, what say you? Have you seen the uh, have you seen this thing yet? No, I haven't seen it yet, but you know, looking at it, it's, it's probably hopefully beasts of chaos. I, I'm not sure. Anytime you see something organic like that, 
it's uh, it, it's always a hard call because it could go one way or the other. There's not like a Mechanicus symbol or something on there that tells you, oh yeah, this is 40k for sure. Yeah, it could be anything. Yeah, it, it does look very 40k. That was my first thought. You know, the whole the Gene Stealer cult, like maybe it's some kind of a Gene Stealer baby cult thing. Who knows? Uh, but that's my guess, man. I'm 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 hoping it's it's the little critters that live in the uh, Dragon Ogre Shagoth's mane. You know, we'll hope. Maybe hopefully. it's the new abhumans for squats. Who knows? Oh, you know what? I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. That way, way to be dialed in on that one, man. I, you know, watch. You're probably going to be right. It's probably. Gonna be oh man, yeah, right I, I'm I'm hoping so. You know, I, I'm a Sigmar guy through and through, but uh, squats was about the only thing that could have made me want to go back and play 40k, and uh, that's where we're at. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, well let's uh, let's let's keep it rolling. So this Saturday, uh, we've got um, uh, we got the Thandia uh, box set that's going to be released for Age of Sigmar. So so here's the thing. You know, you you, you need the box. To get the incarnate, you know, it's a mix of this monster and an endless spell. And then they're saying it's 400 points in the game, by the way. And, you know, I, I, Seriously. I yeah, you know what? I really don't like the model. I, you know, I, I've said it before. Again, another blog, grimdarklive.com. Go check it out. I don't care for the model. Um, and I know that, um, it, you know, this box that's got some terrain uh, that I, that are kind of cool. I kind of like some of the terrain. Um, but, but I, I really don't want to spend what, what's in the upwards of over $200 from what I'm hearing. Um, just, just to get some terrain that I can probably wait and get on eBay. And I really don't care for this bionicle type of, uh, you know, uh, kit bash thing that that's, it's, that's in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I feel you. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not super excited about the, the model either. I, I'm curious about what it does, but to me, it looks like a bad 3d print, uh, yeah, Thank that, you. That's just personal. Thing Thank for you. Me. Yeah, <laughs> but, and, uh, and you know something, folks. I mean, we're we're an opinion based show. I mean, and and uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't really. I'm not a. I'm not a fan, and I don't think a lot many people are. I think they're going to try to force the issue. But also, you know, I, um, I am excited for the new Anvil, though. That that is really kind of what's got me. You know what? You, you made me do it again, Joseph. I'm going to pontificate here a little bit. You know, I'm a little irritated with the whole thing now. You know, and way to bait and shift on on, on GW because we had we had Anvil of Apotheosis in in the previous edition of 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 of, uh, of uh, the General's Handbook, right? Age of Sigmar three point or two point We had that, and they took it away. Now, essentially, if you want to play Anvil of Apotheosis, you got to buy all this new stuff again, the book, and the, and it just seems to me a little bit of a bait and switch. I would have preferred something uh, not like that, I guess. I mean, there's always a monetization motive behind these things. You can't look at any company with rosy tinted goggles at all. But at the same time, it sounds like they're making the new Anvil a bit more comprehensive and a bit more. I think they're going a bit more nuts with it. So it sounds like we're going to be able to make some really big creatures on top of some of the smaller heroes that you used to see. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what? I mean, I'm trying to be positive about this, you know, in, in a way, but I got to be honest, you know, I mean, we have people that, 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 that listen to our show for, for probably more than just dirty jokes and nonsense. But, um, you know, if the incarnate rules are in, are in the Thondia book, right. You know, my, my question is for the game, what, what happens when the season of Gur ends? You know, I, I guess we'll know in a, in a, in a, in a bit, you know, when, when the pre-order and everything comes out and we get everything in our sweaty palms, but, um, what what are we really i mean to me it just seems like um it seems like uh they're just throwing like stuff like maybe it's happening a little late yes exactly yeah and and i i think personally i don't think this should have been the big reveal of adepticon you know but but hey you know what adepticon was kind of a kind of a crash up derby this year anyway so uh, we'll, we'll you know why not 
but yeah, I, I'm not really happy with the anvil of apotheosis. Um, I, I, I don't like the fact that, um, that this thing was, uh, was put out, taken away. And then now you got to essentially buy new stuff to play it again. I think that's a little schlocky, my opinion, if I'm understanding it right. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's, it's when that content is, is removed to create kind of that ball scarcity and then kind of drip feeding it back in and double dipping on, on the cost of using that content. It, uh, it does, it does suck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, but that's everything we got in the news uh, so far. So uh, we got uh, we got a lot of awesome stuff to get through. So we're going to be right back, and we're going to be talking some fishy business. Hey, gang. I want to thank you for being with us today on Grimdark Live. Thanks for being with us on tonight's show. But before we get into our main topic here on the show, I want to ask you to head over to GrimdarkLive.com to enter the Nerd Bunker and become a supporter of the show on Patreon. There are six different levels to fit the support you may be interested in, and all provide special benefits and services to our members. So please head over to GrimdarkLive.com and become a patron of the show. And while you're on GrimdarkLive.com, check out our podcast or blog sections, attend an upcoming event, or should you know that grimdarklive.com has some great products in our shop t-shirts hoodies caps dice and a ton more so get your swag on with grimdark live merch also from grimdarklive.com you can find us on twitch twitter facebook and other social media platforms we're constantly updating the website so check it out for new stuff on the site with all that said we just want to thank you for being part of this show and being here with us tonight here on grimdark live now, let's get to the main topic of the show. All right, gang, with this topic tonight, we are getting into Ideneth Deepkin. And, you know, gang, with this topic tonight, uh, you know, we, we, we've had about a month, I guess, or so, maybe a little bit better uh, to, to play and see how uh, other players have responded to the new book. You know, um, the, the previous Ideneth Deepkin Battle Tome was one of the oldest books for Age of Sigmar at the time. And uh, it had come out, what, shortly before the second edition, if I remember right, about Age of Sigmar 1.5, as we all affectionately called it, before that second edition of the game back in 2018. And, uh, and Joseph, since then, right, uh, there, there have been a lot of changes with this army, specifically mechanics and abilities. So I guess for me, let's start out this way, kind of high level and work our way down before we get to your list. You know, what are some of the standout changes in the army, you know, coming into 3.0, um, that, that, that you've noticed about this army thus far. So, uh, I guess to start off, you know, it's, it's, I know that sushi is supposed to be uncooked, but <laughs> the, the old book was really, really uncooked. I mean, that was like, that wasn't even raw. That was like pulled out of the ocean, like raw, right. like unbelievable. But, um, I'm, what I'm surprised about with the new book is that like, like beyond the fact that they've been able to take everything in that book and, and make it viable and make it purposeful. Right. is that they kept the tides the same. I think everybody was expecting that mechanic change because the third turn high tide is uh, oh, yeah. so powerful, yeah. so obviously powerful. But not only did they keep that the same, but they took the, the old ritual mechanic that was awful from the first book and they threw it out and reinvented the wheel. And now you've got four options that you can use to enhance the tides uh, that you get to pick before the game starts. Like You don't have to pick that and put it on your list. You can pick that at the table before the first round begins. So you can really tailor it to your opponent. Uh, that's one of the standout mechanics. The uh, other one is that forgotten nightmares stayed the same. Oh yeah. Almost the same. Uh, they, they made some changes in iron rack that I think makes it less obviously powerful for, for more obvious reasons. 
but um, you can still use it things with uh, you can still use it on things like Aether Wings. You can put those in there. So there's a little bit of that cross faction play with the mechanics still, but they've kept it essentially the same. Right. Uh, the other stuff is that Iron Rack got nerfed, so you mm-hmm. can't run Surf and Gotrick anymore using the Tides of Death himself, which I think was a good change. But uh, th- those are kind of the core mechanical structure sure. changes that they made that, sure. that I really think are good about the army. Yeah, you know what, and it's funny, you know, you, you touched on a couple of topics that we're going to be we're going to be getting into here a little bit later. But, you know, I, I think from a high level for me, the first thing I would think of uh, is really the innate strength of what Ideneth has always been. And to me, as somebody that doesn't play the army, you, you know that I don't play the army, but I play against it quite often. But I, I think one of the innate strengths that I was happy to see stay in the army is the ability, uh, their, their hit and run tactics, right? Their, their ability to be able to always hit and run. And again, like before... The army excels at several, you know, what would, what would we want to call it? Rapid strikes from, from units like eels and other things like that. And now sharks and turtles and all that other kind of good stuff. So, and then, you know, uh, here they are on 3.0, taking off and doing it right all over again. I mean, so the, 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 this army trait has been maintained and I, and I love it. You know, this whole hit and run, strike and move, you stick and move type of a, type of a, a a tactic, but I, I think the one thing that the army is known for, and, and if you don't mind, if we can kind of start here, because I think this really kind of, you know, starts stirring the soup, if you will, is uh, the, the, <laughs> the fish, the tides the, of the turtle soup, the turtle soup. Yeah. The tides of death, you know, I mean, it returns intact, which I thought was very nice. And, and I would say, is it safe to say it's improved? Oh, a hundred percent. It's, it's improved. Uh, I was, I was actually a bit nervous about the book before it came out because I, I was hearing the rumors that they were going to be completely gutting that mechanic and, and changing it. And I, I can't imagine that the deep can being able to function at all without the tide. So to see that it came back in its original form was surprising enough to me, Yeah. but to see how the rituals, uh, corresponding with those tides and being able to pick one or possibly two of those enhancements to make them even better. Uh, that, that was huge. Sure. For me, and I'm I'm loving that new mechanic. Yeah, you know what? And and, and to me, let, let's just take a step back here, so I, so I can help myself understand it, and then I can help everyone that maybe doesn't maybe is an opponent of the army, you know. But obviously, when we talk about the tides here, uh, it, it 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 obviously follows you know low tide. What is it? Low tide, flood tide, high tide, and ebb tide, right? And Did I get them right? Tide, yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought I thought so. Yeah. And you know there there there, there is a. There's a, a tides or, or or tides, if you if you will, uh, that that I guess you you know that that I guess some gamers prefer over others, or some deepkin players prefer over others. Is there a tide or or maybe a handful of tides that uh, that that you're more important that are more important for you, or you kind of maybe uh, put your game around? You, you know, honestly, with with the new book, I would say or, or let's you know let's start with the old book. So the old book, everything was about high tide. Everything okay, right. functioned around high tide. Uh, Volturnos functioned very well around high tide because you could spam his command ability multiple times. That was the big one. Sure. Um, w- with the, the recent changes that they've made to the army along with some very specific war scrolls, I think that all of the tides have intrinsic purpose and you can play in all of them where it's almost equally important. Like I couldn't say that deep can revolve around high tide the way that they used to. I think that high tide's the obvious one, but there are ways that you can you can slip in on flood tide and make things fight first. Or in the first round, all your stuff gets covered, and if something still gets in your face, you can high tide in round one. So every tide is really, really important out of the way that a game moves. Yeah. You know what? I like the way you put that, because it does seem like each round a new buff is handed out for your entire army. 
And that, that, that does seem to be very evident with the new play style. Now, now let me ask you this, Joseph. In regards to the Tides of Death, uh, there are a few ways to, let's just say, manipulate them, right? Or grant bonuses out of, say, the turn, such as, you know, the, the you, you said it here at the beginning of the show, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Iron Arc allowing you to, uh, uh, to hand out effects of, you know, uh, of Flood Tide or Ebb Tide or the, you know, the King, you know, granting High Tide or something like that. So for the most part, however... To me, the, the, the goal is to really understand what bonuses you'll see in each upcoming phase and, I guess, what, plan your turn or, or, or take the most advantage of them at that time? Is that kind of the, yeah. the, the, the functional gears of the Army, if you will? You know, I would say that I would say that is accurate. Uh, Deepkin are, are very, very, very hero centric. Uh, Lotan has never been better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Achelian King has never been better. I think every list is probably going to have one. Uh, I'd be very interested to see other lists without the Achelian King. But the strengths on that specific hero are so strong that I think you're going to see it all over the place. At least one. Yeah. Uh, the other standout for me. I want to say is the shark and that Rotarius net launcher oh, yeah. being able to kind of like, yep. it, like, you know, oh, I, that, that unit of 30 models over there, I'm just going to shoot it one time and now it can't pile in and then I'm going to get it stuck in combat. So you're kind of glued there for a turn. Yep. I That's cannot... one of those little things that'll sneak up on you. It's, it's an, it's a, it's an army of just a lot of toolbox. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't but, wait to but, get but into even the more than that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. E- e- even more than that though, I think that the army's less hit and run and it's not, super super aggressive the the army functions as kind of like knowing how to be patient and and waiting for your moment because if you send a unit of thralls or a unit of eels in at the wrong time they can definitely get missed okay well i like the way you put that i like the way you put that a lot and you know folks uh for some some of you people joining us thank you very much for being with us uh i can't see the chats right now for some odd reason you know the the youtube gremlins are all over there but i do trust that you are there so we're going to keep going with this. So let's go. Let's let's stick with the tides here before we get into what maybe the rituals here in a minute. Uh, but low tide, right? I mean, if I were to break all this down, and I memorize these for you, Joseph. I memorize these so I could talk intelligently about this army. Uh, actually, actually, they're branded in my brain because of getting the the crap beat out of me by a few of our uh, club guys who play this army. Now you joined in the fray too, Joseph. Now you're going to be beating the tar out of me too. Um, but low t- low tide. Let's start with that one. You know. What I what I love about this one is, you know, the beginning of the game, what happens most of the time when you're when you're facing a shooting army, all your units now count as being in cover. Now you have flo- mm-hmm. your, your, your flood tide, all your units can run and shoot or charge. So for me, I think those two are such an important. And, and again, I'm probably looking at this from a 5000 foot view, but I kind of look at, you know, between low tide, flood tide, um, 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 high tide and ebb tide. Uh, yeah, that's all. Um I would say that those two are probably overall, maybe they're not the most exciting, but they're probably the most important, right? Or, or, uh, or so flood tide and, uh, and low tide. Yeah. I would say because, you know, you're, you're giving, you're giving your army that, that one thing that a lot of armies don't have, you know, and that's a good foundation to start from, you know, with, with all your units getting, you know, get, being able to count and cover with low tide. And then you take flood tide, all your units can now, you know, run and, and shoot or charge. You know, if you get that double turn, you can really maximize on that you know, and catch your opponent on, on the, on the back heels. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I think that's, I think that's actually more important now than it's ever been specifically because of some of the tricks you can pull off in flood tide, uh, using low tide and using flood tide effectively, especially against a shooting army is, is all about setting up what your engagement is ultimately going to look like mm-hmm. capitalizing on it in, in flood tide, seeing what you can do in flood tide and maybe collapse a flank or two, because you okay. can do that more so now than you could in the past. 
you're not as reliant on high tide. But once you get into high tide, your army needs to be engaged. It needs to be in there. It needs to be active for both turns in that oh, round. Yeah. So the, the first two rounds are, are quintessential to, to that setup. Yeah, because isn't high tide where you get to strike first, right? Yep, both turns in the round. Jeez. Okay. Well, then, yeah. That, then, then you do. You you literally have to be right up into your opponent business, and that's why I'm I'm going to go back to what I said. I think this is one man's opinion here, but I think that those first two tides are definitely your your most important. I mean, ebb tide. You know, I, I think if there's anything left of your opponent, right after after everything you're able to do, defend yourself, get to your opponent, shoot your opponent, and and really get up into their business and strike first. If, if anything has, you know, say survived by, I don't know, late round two, round three, somewhere around there, uh, I think you can now, you can fall back and, and shoot and fall back and charge, right? Or something like that, right? For With, with ebb, with ebb yeah, tide? Yeah, you can, you, can, you can fall back and shoot or fall back and charge. And like, you know, I understand why it's there. It, it makes sense aesthetically, but I, I completely agree. Like, like most games aren't going to come down to, uh, to ebb tide. It's it's just True. it's, it's going to be everything from from low tide to high tide, ebb tide. You're probably just you're either getting cleaned up or you're cleaning up. One of those two things is happening by round four. Yeah, yeah, I, I think um, yeah, I like the way you put that. I mean, and, and I, that's why I want to kind of touch on the tides first because I think that's a very good way to kind of present the army to maybe some people that are like myself, just opponents uh, or or punching bags. Really, that's kind of what I've been lately against Idna, <laughs> uh, or people that are really just getting into the army for the first time. And, um, you know, so let's talk about the rituals now. If I, I mean, if we were to say that maybe the tides are something that, that helps the army stand up, the rituals might be a little bit of the, the heart and soul of what the army is. And I think it's safe to say that, that they've been retooled, meaning the rituals, uh, to, to an extent. I mean, rituals have, uh, they, they've been changed to now being, I guess, I guess now they're, they're, they're once a game ability. Uh, it used to be on a specific turn or, or, or a game, you know, allowing you to, you know, put all yeah, your energy at the, into it. At the beginning a... of every one of your hero phases, you would have to roll two dice. And yeah. you'd have to get a 10 plus in order to get off one of four effects. And only one of those effects was good, but it was still very niche and circumstantial. And then in order to get that 10 plus roll, I mean, the hero, the priest doing it, the, the Tidecaster had to be, I think it was any Asharan hero, but it had to be near a shipwreck near a whole bunch of heroes at one time, which you know how bad of an idea hero clustering is. Yeah. yeah. You do that to use the mechanic. It, it was just awful. I, right. I do kind of miss being able to stop flying, but not, not in comparison to the new tools that we have at all. Yeah. You know, and as far as rituals go, I, I will say, I think overwhelmingly, I think the changes are, are pretty darn good. If, if not close to great for what they've done for the army. While, you know, I, I think yeah, it they're, only they're, they're my favorite change in the book. Oh, okay. All right. Well, cool. Then, then, I'm, then I'm on to something here in this conversation. <laughs> but I, I think I think they only are really affecting though. Uh, you know, the one round of the game. Uh, I, I well, let me say this. I, I think if it's only while well, only really affecting. Let me let me put it this way before I get to uh, you know get myself over my skis here. Uh, they're really only affecting one round of the game. The effect is army wide. Is what I'm really trying to say. And and, and most yeah. of them are incredibly powerful and. So let me throw this at you because uh, I've just stammered over myself. But to me, the ritual that is really going to be the most important in my book or the auto take if I was playing, you know, if you find yourself up against a heavy shooting list like Lumineth or Longstrike, you know, Stormcast, uh, is the ritual of the uh, of the Creeping Mist, right? Um, yeah, 100% where you stop shooting outside of 12 inches. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, again, I think that that coupled with you know always being in cover and everything else, I think um, 
I, I think that's almost to me the the auto ritual. I mean, is is there, is there a ritual that you lean on? And, and again, if we're going to talk about it in your list here in a little bit, don't bring it up now. But is there an is there an honorable mention that maybe you 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 would take? Uh, you know, the honorable mention for me would probably be the high tide ritual. What's the name of that one? Ritual of deep sight. Okay. That one is yeah. going to be only because it's very circumstantial and it applies only to the Marty. So if that's the kind of list that you're building, which is again the list that I like, the, the list that I've built. Um, that one is, is my honorable mention, but as far as how it affects the whole army, it's kind of niche. You know, and, and I, I like that, but you know, I've always said, you know, there's, there's three components I try to maintain, or at least best out of three when I pick an army and that's reach, rend and ward save. And this one gives you what a five plus ward save on, yeah, on uh, all, five is, up ward save on all your, all your Namardi. And, yeah. and the cool thing about that is that yes, it's dependent on high tide. But you have two ways of giving a, a, a unit or multiple units of Namardi either high tide so they'll get that ritual if it's chosen in your army. Okay. Or you can make them benefit from that ritual from uh, from low tan. So you can kind of get that ward save two different ways out of sequence. Okay. And, you know, maybe, maybe I think getting it in high tide probably wouldn't be, it would almost be counterintuitive. Because high tide is when you always get to strike first, right? And everything, you know, so, so really it, it's, it's ideally you'll, you'll kill most things first, but if anything survives or, or you go second, I guess you're going to be prepared that way. But I, but I, yeah, I, okay. I, I like, I like a uh, deep sight. The, the one, the other one that I, that I was, I thought you were going to go with that I was kind of thinking about was the, um, the stream, the striking stream or uh, surging stream, I think it's called. And, and this grants the, uh, uh, I think it's plus one. Yeah. Plus one to run and charge during, during flood tide for, you know, and for those for keeping yeah. track, by yeah. the way. Uh, that's the one uh, that lets you run and charge in the same turn. So, you know, I'm not trying to sound like a hypocrite here when I just kind of, I kind of poo-pooed on deep sight a little bit for, for, you know, they always strikes first thing, but I also have to say, I think speed kills. And I think being able to yeah, get, yeah. you know, cause uh, another, another famous Grimdark Live saying, you need, you need shit to get to shit, stand on shit and kill shit. And, and we're giving you yep. that opportunity to get there. So, I mean, what, what yeah, I mean, no, that, that one's awesome too. And, and especially for an Amarty list like mine, where it's, it's like the whole army's fast. But the Namardi are just not as fast as the Eels. So if, when you're True. talking about a six-inch movement or an eight-inch movement, you're getting that plus one to your run, that plus one to your charge. That might be the difference between you making or failing it. So it's it's super important. Right. Yeah. You know what? I and and, and it, I, I you know and again too, I didn't want to seem like that. I'm 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 henpecking it because that's not that's not what I'm doing. I, I really I'm just I'm just looking at it from from a, a validal stance, I guess. Um, yeah, but, uh, sub factions, uh, uh, enclaves, right. Let, let's talk a little bit about that because yep. as far as the, the sub factions go, um, the list that we're going to be discussing here later on in the show, you've got, uh, Dom Hain, right. So, uh, we, we can leave that one for later if that's okay. Uh, when we, when we go through your yep, list, 100%. But, but give me another honorable mention, give me something, give me another honorable mention of another enclave that you recommend for an Idneth player yourself. Uh, you know, I have to go with my old favorite more fan. Uh, I think that it's, <laughs> it's go. gotten, it's gotten both worse. If you're looking at it from the perspective of, I want to put two soul renders on a 30 block of thralls and have them, you know, bring eight guys back every battle shock phase on a bad day. You can't stack the ability multiple times with multiple soul renders on the same unit anymore. So that's kind of unfortunate. But the flip side of that is that you're bringing back uh, between four and six models with one soul render in that sub faction, every single battle shock phase if you couple that with the Achillean command trait, Lord of the Storm and Sea, that causes those units to uh, uh, ignore battle shock wholly within 12 inches, I mean, that unit is never going to die. It's going to stay there. Okay. All right. I like that one. And, you know, since, since you brought up Turtle Soup, I'm going to have to go with the, the, the Nautiler. 
right? I mean, everyone's oh, yeah. everyone's favorite, right? Or I guess I guess like if you're like me and you're playing against all the time, it's it's someone's least favorite. Uh, but this this has got uh, the Turtle Riders, right? I, I always thought that was hysterical, and um, yep. the, the Leviathan, you know, this this monstrous rampaging freaking turtle beast thing. Uh, that that I mean, it. I will be honest with you. I like I like this thing. But if there's ever a model that probably causes havoc, this is definitely up there, maybe the top top three in the game. I mean, their fins and jaws are what Ren three, I believe, for for when you you know when you truly want to make you know something die. I mean, this thing's going to do that. But it also makes uh, Leviathan's battle line if if you take the the, the Nautiler uh, uh, enclave. So yeah, you yeah. could rock up to three of these bad boys. Uh, you, you can get three of them in your list if if you want to go all monster. If you want to do the monster mass list. So, and, you know, I like big stompy monsters. I, you know, even in 40K, I, I play knights. I like big stompy stuff. So for me, I'm going to gravitate towards the turtles uh, only because um, uh, they're, they're pretty good. But what do you, what do you think about that, uh, that other one, the, uh, the shark one, uh, Fuethan or whatever it's called or something Futan? like that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think it's good. I think, um, uh, honestly, one of the, uh, the factions I'm thinking about trying out next after I, I feel like I get the Namardi down is okay. I want to run an eel shark list in Futan, hundred percent the, uh, what is it? The, the, the Ooh, blood shiver, the, uh, the, the blood shiver where you get to take three separate, uh, alapexes and, and it gives them all kind of a collective buff. I like the idea of messing around with it. Yeah. I think it's blood. I think it's bloodthirsty shiver. I think it is. I'm not, I don't yeah, remember. Bloodthirsty shiver. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And you know, you know, what's nice about that is, I mean, if you take those three units of alapexes of the sharks together in a group, uh, aren't they still individual units? You know, so so yep, you, you they're, just they're still you just, individual units. You you deploy them individually, but they yeah. all can can benefit from that grouping that you put them in. Which I I think that's actually the first time we've seen something like that, right? Where they they've given you they don't give you a discount for it, no, but right. you take three of something and you get some kind of special benefit from it. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I mean, here's the thing. You, you know, what I love is is they got the fancy sixes, right? Unmodified sixes on on the attack roll is is two hits. So they got there's your slanesh thing back. You got your exploding sixes, uh, or yep. or I guess three hits if they're all within i don't know i can't remember now uh you know three or six inches or something like that of each other something like that um you know they're, they're gonna get they're gonna get three hits so i mean yeah i, I think um Fuetan, sorry about that Ideneth players i didn't mean to scratch that one up uh but um but i th- i think i think those are some honorable mentions you know uh to, to kind of get us warmed up here before we get into your list and, and really start talking about your your dome hain uh uh list but uh anything else you want to cover before we get into your list no, I think that pretty much hits everything. All right. Well, here it is, man. Now let's get into your into your list. So uh, we've got it up here right now. Uh, and, and for you folks uh, watching, you can kind of uh, see where we're at with uh, with the, the first part of his list uh, up on there. So it's it's 1985 points, 1,985 points uh, with a battle regiment and warlord battalion. So uh, let's get into this list here. It, it's, it's as I said before, it's based on uh, Domhain as an enclave. And... Uh, Domain, uh, this enclave enables Rydneth to uh, charge and, and, and fight again if they manage to wipe out your enemy unit, a la, what, Mighty Destroyers, right? Or Corklands. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it does count specifically for the Namardi. It's uh, the ability is Namardi Savages. Okay. So it does count uh, specifically for them, but it's it's a very reflexive sub-faction and something that was pretty, pretty significantly changed from the first book. So the moment that I saw it, the, the ability to, like, blow up the thralls or or to 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 get the thralls in to blow up a unit with them and then charge them again and fight again if you go first in that round is huge 
Right. Um, but even if you go second, the ability to redeploy up to three units can completely change somebody's ability to, to either charge you or put things in front of them that they didn't expect to be there. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it's interesting is your list for the most part, and I'm going to say this because it seems like you're maximizing around this type of concept because your list, the more I think about it, the more I'm looking at this right now, it, your very list breaks tradition from what I'd like to call a, a standard Idenev Deepkin perspective because it fields a lot of foot troops. You know, so basically, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're literally just a, a, a fish version of Mighty Destroyers from Iron Jaws. You know, you've got a lot of foot troops in your list right now uh, as I see this. And and if you and don't get me wrong, but this only triggers if you're going first in the combat round, right? If 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 you're going second, then you redeploy or something like that, correct? Yeah, yeah. It, it is it is conditional to to what position you're at in the turn. So if okay. you're going first, you do you you do get that extra offensive capability with your thralls of being able to charge again if they're outside of combat. And then if you're going second, you uh, you you get to redeploy up to three units. So it's it's a little conditional. And quite frankly, I think it should be conditional. I don't think that you should get to choose that every single round. That would be way over the top. That'd be kind of busted. So I like the way that they did it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, now that I think about this, you know, just just from kind of combing over our our previous, you know, conversation at the top of the show, I mean, this really has the potential to be extremely powerful. I mean, especially, I mean, think about this. If, 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 If you're benefiting from high tide in, say, round three, I mean, that's pretty good. Even outside of that, I think that... Domain in conjunction with the Akalian King, in conjunction with some of the other heroes that I've built into this list. I mean, you could completely collapse somebody's flank in round two like never before. Sure. I'm getting a plus one to, to run. I'm getting a plus one to charge. I'm getting that unit of thralls into your face, making it and the queen or the queen and it uh, fight first in the combat phase, blow that thing off the board, and then charge them right up the board and do it again. I mean, that the potential that that has if you're able to smash through is huge. Sure. Sure. So let's start right at the top, man. Let's talk about your Achillean King, 250 points. He's your general. Tell us about this unit, man. How do you use him? What does he do for you? Oh my God. Well, actually in my army, she is an Achillean queen. I did a, I did a pretty big conversion. My apologies. On that my because apologies. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be different. So I went in and did that, but the, uh, the, the Achillean King is, uh, one of the strongest individual models in this entire book right now, like taking the obvious aside and, and looking at the war scroll itself, like you have that very powerful ability to once per battle make up to D three units be affected by high tide. That's huge. And, and that's just the war scroll. But when we're talking about everything that I've built into this Akalian King, it's, it's kind of like the cruise missile of my list. <laughs> like you've got the command trade unstoppable fury. If that Akelian King is under the effects of high tide, uh, every individual enemy unit that it's in combat with is going to be uh, giving it an additional two attacks. And that doesn't just count for the spear. That counts for every single uh, profile on that Akelian King. So yeah. like I, I've seen it happen. I've done it where I've gotten into combat with three or four units and I'm looking at, oh yeah, you know, my Akalian King is just going to swing with 12 attacks times four profiles and we're just going to do the math on how to spread all that love out, you know? So like, that's really powerful, giving it the arcane tome and giving it flaming weapons that that uh, that spear that you're charging in with is doing four damage instead of three on the charge. It's it's huge. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's funny that that you, you really gave... The, the, the king here, the queen, sorry, the queen, a lot of love here because personally, <laughs> personally, I think the generic 
queen or king, generic king or queen, is probably a better pick because you you can really do some insane combos that you've just really kind of touched on. Uh, but but if yeah. I can kind of dig into this a little bit now, slightly different from from how you kitted him out. Um, I think what I would do, and I was looking at this because, I, and I think my version probably isn't as good as yours. Uh, but but I think I would I would probably in going through the book and in, in, in preparing for our conversation, I'd probably go with Hateful Frenzy and Unstoppable Fury, so I could always strike first. Uh, and I think with your with your polearm attacks, you're getting you know seven additional a damage three negative three rend and. I think with your uh, with your with your flexion attacks, you're getting uh, seven more of those, I believe, and and those are at plus two, uh, you know. So and and I think you're I think you're rerolling. I don't remember that one, but I, th- I think you're it's something good. And and I'm sure you know th- this is this is easily going to be the centerpiece of many lists, regardless of, of how you build it out, much like yours, um, as you know both you know a strong smash hero and a, and a solid support unit with its you know free plus one to hit. You know, for for units that are within nine inches of it, uh, from from this, uh, what is it, the the Achillean Paragon ability or whatever it's called. So I mean, yeah. But I, I love the way you have your your queen kitted out. Uh, you know, I I was looking at it saying, you know, how could I play something equally as good as what you have? I mean, you got Unstoppable Fury on there. We agree on that. But I think when you look at the bladed polearm, the arcane tome, I think I think yours. I I don't think I'm too equal with you. I think I you edge me out just a little bit. Um, but, but, you, you know, the, the wonderful thing about this model is that, you know, you call it a centerpiece and the best thing about it is that it's not a centerpiece. It's, it's a 250 point model on, on, you know, comparatively a large round base, but still a small base in comparison to something like a monster, which you could turn this thing into a monster too, with metamorphosis if you wanted to, but <laughs> it's a 250 point model that because of the movement can can pretty much be anywhere on the board. And it's not the only thing in my army doing damage. The Thralls are doing damage. The Reavers True. are doing damage. I'm applying pressure in multiple places. But the really scary thing about this is that you're looking at all of this damage potential, and it can go pretty much anywhere on the board. And if you're looking at the Flood Tide ritual in Flood Tide, you could make this thing move 21 inches and then charge with a plus one. Yeah. It can be anywhere on the board, and that's what's so scary about it, I think, is that it, it has the, the mobility and the fly mechanic to just kind of sneak up on you wherever it needs to be. Yeah, no, I, I, I like the way you put that, and you're absolutely right. I think it's a beautiful model, too. I, th- I think that's why I kind of called it a centerpiece, because I think as far as models go in the game, it, it's definitely up there as one of the well, well-painted, you know, in your case, queen, but in most people, a king, uh, is, is, is fantastic. But uh, but but let's move on to the next one you got in here, because this, this is actually one of my favorite uh, models in... Uh, the Iden Deepkin line as far, as far as hero characters. And I think it's safe to say that, that most, if not all Iden Deepkin lists are going to include one of these bad boys. And that's the, uh, the, the, the Ishrin uh, Tidecaster 150 points. All right, man, tell me, tell me a little bit about this guy. You know, honestly, I think that the Tidecaster has actually gotten less important. Uh, when oh, I, wow. uh, okay. when I first started building lists, right. Uh, reversing the tides was super, super huge in, in, in the first book. Right. And I think that it was so big because, the tables were larger and you also didn't have as many ways of doing things out of sequence like you see today with, you know, long strikes or with Gorgrenta's moving in the hero phase, stuff like that. Um, be- because combat is happening much more quickly, I think that reversing the tides, which is now, um, it- it's now a-, a choosable ability in this book. It doesn't come built in with the Tidecaster anymore as your okay. general. So you can kind of put that on anybody. So even in that sense, the Tidecaster, I think, has lost a little bit of stock. What I like about the Tidecaster and why I include it in my list is I like being able to pick two rituals and know that I can depend on two of them 
rather than just one of them. But I, I think that if I'm looking at all the parts of this list, that's probably the first thing that I would take out if I were going to try something new or put in something else. Wow. Uh, you, you're going to knock me over with a, with a fishtail on that one. Because, I mean, the first thing I think about with this Tidecaster is doesn't, doesn't he let you pick two rituals? I mean, isn't that kind of valuable? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. No. So the Tidecaster lets you do that by default on the War Scroll. And I think okay. that is very powerful. I just think that there are so many other mechanics to explore in this book that are either as powerful or more powerful. Okay. Or like you could take it out and try something else and it's not going to break your list at all. Okay. It's probably like it encourages exploration. Then you know what I, I like the way you put that because it, it shows that the, that the, maybe the Aiden Thief can have some depth. But um, yeah, I, I do. I, I like the Tidecaster. I mean, I know that uh, uh, it, you know the, the Tidecaster has access to a pretty unique spell. And, and speaking of which, uh, I'm seeing a lot of this in, in the game, and this reminded me of this in talking about this. But I'm seeing a lot of prevent or limit movement type abilities and spells right now in in, in the meta. And uh, the, the counter current, that's what I was trying to think of, uh, is, is really is, is, is not different. You know, it has the run and charge rolls for, for enemy units. And I think it's like 18, yeah. 18 inches, which is your typical nine, eight, you know, eight out of 10 spells or 18 inches. Yep. But yep. I th- I think, if you take the umbral spell portal, you can give it 18 more inches on top of that. Yeah. And I, I think I think if, if, if it, can, it can give you the table buffer you need, right, to get, you know, to get to high tide if you have to. Uh, you know, and when, when you can maybe, I don't know, fight on your own terms. I, I, I think it's pretty solid. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of the Tidecaster, but you know what? You make a good point. Now you got me thinking about whether or not uh, uh, the Tidecaster is, is, is really on the pedestal that I put them in. You know, I mean, may, maybe they're not. Yeah. I mean, you know the Army probably better than I do, so. Yeah, you know, honestly, every I, I don't think there's really one hero in the book that you can say is like, oh, oh I'd never use this. This is awful. Uh, I think that Lotan used to have that spot, but Lotan with his new functionality and his new rules, uh, his stocks have gone way, way, way up. Uh, he's huge now, but I mean, I mean, every single hero in the book is good. I, I think sure. you can build a li- you can build a viable list with any of them. And and speaking specifically to ca- uh, countercurrent, I love to use that one defensively because if I'm trying to lean more into one section of my army and I'm trying to delay combat with another section of my army, I try to make sure that that tidecaster somewhere where it's like I can adapt to that situation. I can put that spell on a unit that I don't want to get into combat with me. Say I'm going second. That unit's run rolls are halved. That unit's uh, charge rolls are halved. Oh, and by the way, because I'm going second, I can redeploy up to three units away from whatever I don't want that to get into combat with. So it's 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 a chain reaction of things going on that I love. Okay, all right. Uh, that, that's I agree with that. I'll, I'll put it, I'll, I'll leave it right there. I agree with that. I, th- I think there's some benefits and and, and sure benefits and and, and or positives and negatives. I'll say to to the to to um uh to the tidecaster <laughs> drew blank there for a second that you and I both see it but but I, I think you make a pretty good point well let's, let's keep it going though we got two thrall masters now it's obvious why you have two of these bad boys in your list um and, and I think that would be for what the the 12 inch fighting stance ability you know that little you know kung fu fighting yep. stance he gives them so so tell yeah. us a little bit about it, about these guys it is so big so like you know the the attack profiles are are good like the the main profile on his weapon is decent you get a little bit of rend down there you get some decent damage it's five attacks you get the cute little fish bite attack that you know it's just kind of a throwaway but it's like it's, it's always <laughs> fun to just say you know yeah my uh, my squid is attacking you yeah, yeah you've been guppied attacking you oh yeah mr Krabs is attacking you now you right. know but um but but the the Achillean fighting stance is i, I like it I, when I build armies or I build lists, I, I get into aesthetics first. I, I love the idea of having that little like 
infantry commander with every single one of my my thrall blobs so like aesthetically i just like that but right. then getting into the functionality of it it's uh it's it's kind of a difficult choice and i think it almost could have been two options rather than three but they put that third one in there um the exploding sixes is huge and i think yeah. the reason why the re-rolling ones is in there is another effect that you can take is like say you're going up against an army that uh forces you to re-roll your sixes or ignores your sixes mm-hmm. or something like that it gives you another option to still squeeze some of that damage out without having right. to take the exploding sixes. But the, uh, the, the unsung hero of that mechanic, I think is the minus one to wound and being able to take that Namari unit and make it benefit from that minus one to wound is such a rare mechanic in this game. And there's almost no way to counter it. You know, you can usually counter a minus one to hit yeah. by using odd attack or, or another common ability like that sure. but minus one to wound. You're stuck with that for yeah. the most part. Yeah, I, and, and you know what? You're right, and you know that that leads me to the uh, you know the the, the three abilities uh, that they have, and I, I think I think if I were to look at the Thrall Master's three abilities, I th- I think I like Way of the Riptide, probably the best. I mean, you're right in a way. I mean, the reroll ones is a bit, eh. I, I don't know that, that really excites me too much. I mean, the odds of rerolling a one and a six are pretty much the same, but but at least the six gives you an extra attack where as only a one you know gives you a uh, I guess a chance to try again. So I, I think yeah. I think I, I like the way of the Riptide is as far as you know of the three to to pick from, but but for sure I think the Thrallmasters to me I I think I you know now that I think really think about it I think you're the balance that the two Thrallmasters gives you, you know when, when you when you look at what it can do being within twelve inches of your of your uh, of your Namardi you know giving them that that fighting stance ability. Uh, you know, it, it's good coverage, you know, for whether you need to do damage or hold your ground, right? I mean, you're going to have, you're going to have yeah, one thrall yeah. master by uh, one unit and the other one yeah. by the other. So, yeah. Yeah. The, the number, the number one thing about this book, I think, uh, especially this time around, it's adaptability and choice. Uh, you, okay. you have a lot of ways of being able to do things out of sequence and a lot of ways of being able to be very reflexive to the situation at, at hand and being able to make those decisions um, mid, mid phase rather than at the beginning when you're building your army or sure. at the beginning when you're choosing rituals, like you just have a lot of adaptability and choice. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's a great way to put it. I mean, and as far as, you know, heroes, you're right. I think King doesn't have a lot of heroes, but the ones they have are pretty darn good. And, yeah, and yeah. I, I don't think you can really necessarily go wrong, but I really think you, you, you know, the, 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 your hero build in this thing is, is probably, I, it might be about as good as you could carry in a list. Um, but let's take a look at your, 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 your troops, man. Let's take a look at your battle line troops. So, um, coming into that, man, you got, uh, you got two units of 20 to Marty thralls and then two units of 10 to Marty reavers. So how are you using it, man? Talk to us. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's a big debate in the deep King community about whether or not you should go with 20 thralls or 30 thralls. Um, thralls are so aggressively pointed well and cheap that it, it's super hard to go wrong with that unit, no matter how you're running it, because it's only 130 points. I mean, for, for what that unit does and the way that they've buffed it with the two-inch range on the weapons oh, yeah. and all the other effects and stuff it can benefit from, the ward saves, I mean, it's just like, it's all conditional. So it doesn't, most of it doesn't just happen outside of the two-inch range on the weapons. That was the, the big change. But it, it's it, they are so good for the points. The, the reason that I run them in blocks of 20 is because... Deep kit are very dependent on those wholly within bubbles. Oh, so sure. if even yeah. one model is out by just a little bit, I mean, you, you've neutered the whole unit. So uh, a unit of 20 for me is, is much more wieldy. I feel like when you're running a block of 30, you're always going to be like 
feel that you're always going to feel that pressure in the back of your head to like, oh, you know, I, I'm just going to move two more models in. And then you're outside of your holy within bubbles and you've ruined the whole unit. So sure. like 20 is very practical. It's got some meat on the bone, so it's not just getting blown off after after one attack like a squad of 10 might be. But it's uh, it's giving you the maximum amount of damage potential with the minimum amount of risk of pulling out of your bubbles. You know, and it's funny that you say that. I, I think that's true where, where a lot of people always try to quantify the the, the, the goodness, if you will, of a, of a unit by the numbers. But I, I think that's the innate yeah. things, like say with Nurgle, the innate things you can do with the disease points, or say like with Idnith Deepkin here, you know, because these units, both your Namarty Thralls and your Namarty Reavers, they can be buffed by the very Thrall Masters that you have, as we just talked about in your list. I mean, whether you yep. play them in Domhain or like like you're doing, you know, they're, they're, they're no longer just pretty good, in my opinion. They can actually become a threat when brought in mass. And that mass doesn't necessarily mean total quantified numbers like you're saying people are saying 30 i think i think you can get away with 10 or 20 of them because of the innate things that you can do to buff them which is is yeah. what's a, what's it's what a, it's it's apparently it's what you're doing i mean it's apparent that that's what you're doing and mm. so now as you said before thralls get a two inch range which is a huge improvement with a 32 inch basis by the way i mean let's think yeah. about it practically I, I was i was playing thralls when they had one inch range in the in the uh the first iteration of this book and i i I love the model so much that I was always trying to figure out ways to make them work. And they were always kind of a good sponge that snuck right. up on people. But now yeah. with that two inch range, man, I mean, it, and, you know, and not just that, but also the, because uh, you know how they have those two effects where on something uh, in the old book, it was four wounds plus yeah. all of your attacks do two damage. Right. Right. And then one wound uh, that you're getting an extra attack. Right. So like not only did they make the, the range on their weapons better, but that first ability it now triggers on three runes rather than four. Okay, right. Um, it's it's almost hard to to quantify how big of a change that is and how much more common three wound models are than four wound or five wound models. It, it's completely changed the damage potential. I think on that unit for 130 points, it's huge. Yeah, and, and you know, and and going back to the like like the practical thing, I, I think that that we're that you and I are both boiling down here about thralls. Let's just say two inch reach with a 32 inch base. I mean. They got their uh, their their uh, sweeping blow ability right. Now does yep. additional damage on on a model as you said, with three yep, wounds exactly. instead of four. So it Sorry, really, I got ahead of you there. Well, I mean, no, no, no. I'm I'm glad you did because I, the the point that I was trying to reiterate by by trying you know kind of repeating you there is that's again you take that coupled with what the thrall master is able to do with them. I don't know that you necessarily need, and I'm, I'm doing the air quotes here, need them in, in, in anything more than 10s or 20s. I think if you can if you can occupy a, a bigger footprint on, 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 the, uh, on the table and maybe have your units spread out a little bit, you know, as long as your Thrallmaster is there within that 12 inches, yeah. I think you're going to be able to do good stuff, you know, yeah. so. The, the, only, the only context where I see 30, a 30 block of Thralls being worth it to, to kind of sacrifice some of that adaptability is in something like a more fan where you're focused on bringing models back. Sure. You might want that extra meat. Sure. But outside of that context, I think 10 or 20 is optimal. Yeah. And I'm not saying that 30 is, is, is fool's gold. I'm not saying that. What I'm, what I'm saying, though, is I, I think all the pressure that we are hearing, and, I, and I've seen it on the boards where people are saying, oh, no, you got to take them in 30s. I don't know. I think that's old school thought. I think, I think people are thinking about old you know, I'd need Deepkin from 2018, you know, circa 1.5 yeah. and 2.0. I, I don't think that that's really the, yeah. the case right now. Uh, but I'll it, it is, and I think I think a lot of the a lot of Deepkin players are also very used to, to building those eel lists because that so much oh, of the shelf life of, of the old book was based on those eel lists. That was how you played. That's how you've been playing for years. It made sense. It's it's what's comfortable and what makes sense for you. And but you, I think one of the advantages that I've had coming into this book is that I've always kind of played with Thralls and Reavers. 
So I know instinctively how to use those things a little better than maybe some other Deacon players. But, you know, the the Eels are still very good, too. I mean, I, I know that they've been getting kind of a, they've been getting a lot of hate because they're not as good as they used to be, but they're still very viable. They're still very good. I see some of the best Deacon players in the community still using Eels with purpose, and, and they're not, may, they're maybe not the auto-include that they used to be, but they're still just as good as everything else. You know, and I want to touch on that real quick, if I can piggyback that statement, because, you know, we, we talk yep. about here on the show quite a bit, we always ask the same same question, is it the Army or the General? And I think one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about this particular list on the show tonight is specifically because no Eels. You know, you're, yep. you're, you're playing an Army and having, having a, a varied degree, if not a pretty good degree of success with an Army without eels and, and i think that's i think that's there's a lot to be said for that um you know and, and i just I, I think a lot of times people put their stock and trade into i like to call it uh you know the 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 the, the mixer thought you know the community gets all mixed up and you know they they, they think you got to have 30 namardi right when when you maybe you don't really need that or they think you got to be all with eels and again it goes back to my, my thought process, you know, is, you know, when, when you win or lose a game, is it the Army or the General? And, and you're doing pretty good without yeah. Eels. But you do have Alopexes uh, yeah, in your yeah. list. So you got two of them. Yeah. So, I mean, these guys are notable for being nasty on the charge, you know, like Eels, and generally, you know, hitting hard for a fairly low cost. So let's talk a little bit about those. 165 points. Down here. Yeah. Yeah. So 165 points, and you, you got to think about what you're getting out of so, it, you know, the, the, the Alapex has been through a lot of changes recently. They were changed in Marathi. Uh, they were changed in Fury of the Deep. And then they were changed again when we got the War Scroll. They went from, like, eight wounds to ten wounds, back to eight wounds. Uh, Ren shifted around in a few other places. But what you're getting out of that 165-point War Scroll, I think, is largely unchanged. You did get that buff with the, the Merciless Shiver, where if this unit has two or more models it, and they're, they're coherent within each or what is it? They are coherent if each model in the unit is within three inches horizontal. So you've got three-inch cohesion if you're running them in a unit, which is huge. Uh, you also have the Bloodthirsty Predator, where if you're getting into combat with something that is wounded, you get that extra attack on the jaws, which is huge. And the damage of this thing is is respectable. Like, it's good for 165 points. The reason that I use them, and you can kind of adapt this depending on the ranged weapon that you choose for the unit, uh, the reason that I use them specifically is to tie down big things I don't oh, want to yeah. deal with right now. Yeah, with, with so our nuts. I get that thing. It's it's hauling ass 14 inches up the board. I shoot that big giant blob of 30 or 40 models or, or that, that big unit of fulminators or whatever. It can't pile in. I get into combat with it. Now you're stuck there and you have to deal with this thing for a round or run out of combat and then you can't fight me. So, you know, it's a win-win for me most of the time. Yeah, it's a nasty effect for basically any freaking army to contend with. I'll be honest with you. And, you know, and, and what I like about it, too, I'm going to go back to the practical thing, uh, like like we mentioned with the Namardi, uh, you know, with, with being the Namardi being 32-inch, you know, base or 32-millimeter base with a 2-inch reach. You know, these guys here, these Alopexes at 165 points, they're really only about a 20-point increase from previous. And they still remain yeah. probably maybe a little bit more competitive, I would think, because people have a little bit more. The, the army is balanced in such a way that you're seeing more of them on the table from their previous adoration. So um, I, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of sharks on the, on the table. And, and, and I love that. I, 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 for some reason to me, that plays into such more of the theme of the army. Uh, but again, I, I think your I think your individuality and your creativeness with the army, you know, kind of bowing out from the eel spam, I, I think is really kind of cool. And that's kind of why I wanted to have, let everybody out there, you know, that's watching the show kind of see this, um, but kind of, kind of wind the army down here a little bit. Tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the things 
that uh, is this do, anything that you're looking to add into the army or take out or any anything that you 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 you've seen that maybe uh, uh, you want to try to do differently with the army? So uh, some of the things that I've contemplated changing around in the list is uh, I, I am waiting to see where the the turtle points go because as it is right now the turtle is good, but I'm not sure if it's 500 points good. So if okay. that eventually comes down in the future, I may put a turtle into this list because that um, that plus one to hit bubble from that thing is really nice. I just wish it had a ward save or I wish that some of the other mechanics on it, like the, uh, the it's, it's not ignore rend if you pick ancient on the Leviathan, it's you're reducing rend, uh, or it's, it's not you're reducing rend, it's that you are ignoring rend of one. So if you're swinging at me with a rend one weapon, I'm getting rid of that rend. If you're swinging at me with two rend plus, I, I can't do anything about it. So it's, it's a little hard to justify that right now, but maybe in the future. Uh, the other things I'm thinking about switching out in this list are, are maybe trying out a new endless spell. I'm liking Life Swarm because it lets me kind of use it on my thralls or something else to bring some wounds back for 60 points. That's pretty good, but I could see myself swapping it out for something else. I'm also thinking about maybe taking out the Tidecaster and, and putting oh, in wow. a different hero, oh, maybe yeah. putting in another unit of things and just seeing where that goes. You know, I, I still like the Tidecaster, man. I still got to defend him. I still got to defend him. I have to. Oh, no, I, I love I love the Tidecaster. I just... This book, everything is viable in it. And yes. It's, it's, you couldn't say that in the past. You can you can definitely say it now. And it's my favorite thing about the book is that there, it's very difficult to say that there is a wrong way to play this book. I, I don't think that there is. I think that you can build a variety of different lists and they can all function really well. And I think we'll see that um, as this army rides out onto the tournament circuit and we see the different lists that other people are coming up with. Uh, we don't know where the army is right now. It's too early. Yeah, the it's a month. Too we're, we're dealing a month, yeah, basically. But, yeah, but w- once that shakes out, uh, we'll see where the army stands, and I think you're going to see a lot of different lists going forward. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, you know, the funny thing is, 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 is again, I want people to understand that when, when we talk about the, the, the innate originality of this list being without eels, it's, it's not we're not I'm not saying anything negative about eels. I'm just saying it's really nice to see. It's almost like back in the day in 2018 and 2019, it was really nice to see a death army that didn't include Nagash. I'm not knocking the gosh, but you know, it was nice to see people do well or play without, without those, those units yeah. that you just see every single person play. It's kind of refreshing. Yeah, or, or like not seeing Archeon Zinch all over the place. There you go. Thank you. And uh, or right now, Kragnos, all of a sudden that's all over the place. But, um, mm-hmm. but you want to know something? Uh, I, I think that, um, that the army that you built especially is very unique. And you know, and I, what, what I, what I, what I like about this army as a whole, I didn't, if you can, as a whole is a, yes. Yeah. Uh, the book is very young. We're talking about a month old, but when you quantify, when you quantify everything and you boil all the water out of the pot and you, you look at this army for what it is, just about anything you build, I think is going to be not only playable, right. But competitive. I, and you know, when I, when I look at something, I say, what's the worst this, that this book can do again, taking into account the general or the army. I say the worst that you're probably going to do with this army is three and two. You know, I, I see anybody, not anybody, but uh, people that really put a lot of time and, and effort and, and they say, you know, become a better pilot with it. You know, I see I see good, you know, a, you know, players, people that are consistent with it going three and two, four and one or five and oh. Do you I mean, what do you think? Do you agree with that? Yeah. So, you know, right off the bat, I'm not the best Deacon player. Um, I love the faction. I've been playing it for a long time. I think I'm, I'm decent at the army, but I, I both know and have met better Deacon players by myself. What I and I've lost games with this list. But what I can say about that is that every single game that I've lost, 
I'm losing because I made incorrect decisions because I, or I chose not to make certain decisions that I should have. I can go back to every loss that I've had with this army so far and say, I had a tool for that. I just didn't use it at the right time. And I think that's ultimately where you want every single book to be, that it's because of you, not because of the book. Yeah, and, and I, I think deep in it that way, a hundred percent. Yes, I I like the way you put that. And you know, when I when I think of when I think of Eidneth players, you know, like you're you're right, you're fairly new to Eidneth, coming from Slanesh, um, but you're adapting to it very well. But when I think of of Eidneth players that that we know or that are out in the community, uh, two guys come to my mind besides yourself now. Uh, obviously, one of our main club guys, Rob Reed. You know, he's uh, he's he's yep. been playing Eidneth for a long time, and 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 you know, he had a lot of growing pains with the army too. Before he became a killer, hey, he, and, went, and, he went three and two uh, at that last competition. We he did, did with yeah. The list. He did, yeah. And uh, the other one would be probably Team America's own John Anderson. You know, dear friend of of, of ours and and an awesome guy and a hell of a competitor. And, and I like one of the things he said one time when we were talking about you know uh, you know somebody said to him somehow they said you know how many how many games have you won with this list. And he says, he, he said, well, he goes, no, I like how nobody asked me how many games I lost, you know, because you have to, you have to start from somewhere. So I think, I think your comment about, you know, I, I like how you were very positive, you know, about your, your, where you were, where you're at with the army now, because I think I've seen you play Slanesh and you play it very well. And it's a finesse army. This is a very finesse army. I, I, I think, I think once you get your fins underneath you, you're going to be doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and I'm still doing good with the list right now. It's it's just it's it's learning how to use it and mastering the new toolkit that we have. And I think that's where pretty much every Deepkin player is right now. It's it's just learning how to use the toolkit because the tools are there, the options are there. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, the flavor is there. You know, you, you got to have that flavor, the sushi baby. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, here it is, man. You ready? Closing thoughts. Yeah. So you know, closing thoughts for me is uh, I thought I'd keep it short and simple. But uh, the, the state of third edition so far has been frustrating for a lot of people with second edition books who feel completely outclassed by the new tomes coming out. As a Slanesh player, I feel your pain. I know where you're at. Uh, from experience, though, I can say that's mostly true with some exceptions. But the key is pacers. Uh, the current trend for release quality. If the current trends for release quality holds true, this game will level out over the next year as armies receive their full battle tome updates and everything is brought firmly into third edition. Uh, I think we've seen that with uh, Beasts of Chaos, certainly our, our big stocks on the table. Right now, we've seen that change with uh, the Bone Reapers, uh, White Dwarf update, kind of helping them out a little bit. And then some of the, every battle tome that I think has come out has given you an, a way out or a way of dealing with what's in the meta right now. So really just like, give it time. Uh, maybe this is a good time to try another army if you're itching for something third edition, but, but give it time this game will be in a great state in, in a year, I think. Well, I like the way you put that, man. And, and I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, I think the white dwarf has done a lot. I think the red books have definitely done a lot. And, and you know what? I, I think, I think, uh, well, your message was about patience. And I think that's, uh, that's, a, that's a best way to, uh, to put it really. Yeah. But uh, in a year, Sigmar is going to be in a great spot. Oh, I, I think we're in a great spot now. I think it's just going to get better, you know, for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. For that's sure. what I meant. But you know what? Thank you so much tonight for being with us and talking about Idenet Deepkin, man. I mean, you know, Joseph, you're, you're a hell of a player. You're a hell of a competitor. You're, 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 and you're a great guy to know. Thank you very much for being with us. No, thanks a lot for having me on, man. Absolutely. And, and folks, uh, don't forget to join us next week for more uh, Grimdark Live. And until then, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms.
Bye. Dark Live, we'd like to thank you for slumming through another show with us for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. We'll be back again real soon, so until then, roll them dice fun and fair, and don't be a frickin' short pants. You can get your Grimdark Live fix on on our live show, or catch us on our Grimdark Live podcast. Never fear, gang. There'll be more great content from Grimdark Live coming to you each and every week. So stay tuned and stay grim while you dice-chucking, blue-sniffing gamer goons. You're all awesome. Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing blue. Remember to embrace the main message here on Grimdark Live, and that's a social contract we have between gamers and the commitment we have to each other in this community. We're only as good as our last game. Check us out at GrimdarkLive.com, and don't forget to subscribe, follow, and recommend Grimdark Live to your friends. So long, Grimdark goons. Until next time, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms. Bye. Short pants.